Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable unto you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It is a great joy and privilege to be with you all uh, here this morning. And I do bring greetings from Bishop Munir, the Bishop of the Diocese of Egypt, North Africa, and the Horn of Africa. He's also the primate of the province of Jerusalem and the Middle East. So we cover 22 countries uh, throughout the Middle East, and there are approximately uh, 45 to 50,000 Anglicans worshiping in those 22 countries. So they greet you this morning, Christians around the world. I would also like to bring another greeting from the Anglican Relief and Development Fund. Uh, the Anglican Relief and Development Fund is the development arm of the Anglican Church in North America, and they support projects throughout the Middle East, in Egypt, in Sudan, in Ghana, Nigeria, and many other countries. Uh, and they're doing a great work. If you'd like to know more about ARDF, uh, Father Jonathan or I would gladly speak with you after the service. I'd like to begin this sermon by sharing a story. And who can tell me how a good story begins? Right. Once upon a time, there lived an old man. His name was Leban. He had lived all of his life as a quiet person and a simple person. He was very poor, but he was very happy. One day, Leban discovered that he had a mouse in his house. Have any of you had a mouse in your house? What happens when you have a mouse in your house? They multiply, don't they? So this man had a problem. He had a lot of mice that soon came to reside in his house. So what do you think he did? He went out to the store and bought a mouse trap or bought a cat. What do you think he did? Cat, cat. Well, that would have been a good, a good idea, but this man bought the mouse trap. He had, an, he had another idea. He bought the mouse trap and some glue and some cheese, and he glued the cheese to the mouse trap, and then he glued the mouse trap to the ceiling. Now, I know you're all having the same reaction as the mice had that night. When the mice came outside, they started to laugh, and they said, finally, this man has lost it. He's lost his mind. But it didn't deter this man. And each day, he took one more piece of furniture in his house and glued it to the ceiling. Day by day, week after week, one more piece of furniture went up to the ceiling. And soon the mice came out at night and saw nothing. They said, something's wrong. We must be on the ceiling. The young mouse said, I'm feeling a little giddy. And I don't know what to do. So they went to the wise senior mouse. And he said... If we stand on our hands, we will all be right side up. So all of the mice started to stand on their hands. The next morning, Laban came out with a basket, and he collected up all of the mice. What had happened is the blood had rushed to the head of the mice, and they had all passed out. 
So the moral to this story, there's always a moral to a story. The moral to this story is whenever the world seems terribly upside down, to always make sure to keep your feet firmly planted on the ground. (laughs) I'm going to repeat that one more time. Whenever the world seems terribly upside down, always make sure to keep your feet firmly planted on the ground. See, little by little, this world of ours, the society has been taking things from the proper perspective and their proper place in the world and putting them up on the ceiling. And we start to worship them and idolize them. We admire them. We cannot live our our lives without them. An example is money or a job. It's good to have money. It's good to have a job. But when we start to idolize it, then there seems to be problems. Until we notice that one day our world is upside down and we either have to correct ourselves or the world needs to change. Jesus changed the world. He didn't change the world to make it uh, upside down, but he brought the restoration that we needed and brought the world right side up, back to the proper perspective. Jesus taught us about servant leadership, how the first should be last and the last should be first. That the only way to save your life is to lose your life. How his kingly crown was not made of gold and jewels, but a crown of thorns. His royal throne was a hard cross. That strength is found in weakness, and in weakness we find strength. Instead of riding into Jerusalem... On a stallion, Jesus rode in on a donkey. Instead of bringing violence, Jesus broke the cycle of violence. The list can go on. But what we see in all of these things is that God can transform anything. And he can transform you and me this morning. 2,000 years ago, a small group of people had the unique opportunity of being close to an itinerant rabbi named Jesus. The impact on their lives was cosmic, and the experience turned their lives not upside down, but it turned their lives right side up. This is what God has always done throughout time and to eternity. God chose to redeem the world through Abram and Sarah, a woman who was barren. They could not have children, but God promised that all generations would be blessed through them. Many years later, God sent a man named Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery, into the land of Egypt, the place of bondage and slavery. But had not Joseph been sold into slavery... His family would have starved. We would have still been in bondage in Egypt. But then God sent another person. He sent a man named Moses. A man who had a speech impediment. God is constantly choosing the people who the world would not deem appropriate to choose. But God is choosing them to restore his world. 
God chose a simple shepherd boy named David. You can imagine on that day the prophet Samuel looking at all of the sons and seeing the sons lined up, going through one by one. Uh, this isn't the right one. This isn't the right one. And asking David's father, is there any other? Is there another son? David's father said, oh yeah, there's, there's David. He's tending the sheep. You don't really have to think about him. But he was the one who God used and spoke through and saved his people. This morning is Father's Day, and I haven't forgotten. Fathers, specifically to you, but also to parents in general. We may know and we may have an idea of how God is going to use our children. But we actually never know how God can use our children. God has chosen and has a ministry for each child, for each person in the kingdom of God. So please do not underestimate what God can do, not only through you, but in the lives of your children, small as they may be. Jesus uses the small and the weak to transform the world. That was the lesson in many ways of the parable that we read from our New Testament gospel reading. The mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. The smallest of seeds. But out of this seed grows something great. Grows a tree. Now, not quite like an oak tree, not like a mighty cedar tree of Lebanon, but something simple enough to cover the people, to provide shelter, a place of refuge and food for the birds. Isn't that like God? Saying the kingdom of God is not going to be like a mighty cedar tree, like a mighty oak tree, but the kingdom of God is going to be like an average shrub. Something simple, but something very important. But seeds do not remain as seeds. When seeds are sown into fertile soil, eventually there's a sprout and something grows. God uses these small things to help restore the world, to bring us back to our proper perspective. God begins with weakness and insignificance and works through those things. Again, David was just a kid. The mustard seed is just a simple seed. Jesus was a refugee without a home. Jesus grew up many years in a single-parent home. God uses people like you and I, people in a church like this. It sounds to me that God has us exactly where we need to be. It sounds as if the weakness that we have is the very soil, the very soil that is used for growing seeds in the kingdom of God. So what can we do? What does our gospel passage tell us this morning? 
Well, who are the people who have to go out and sow the seeds? That's us. Brothers and sisters, we get the opportunity, we have the opportunity to plant seeds and to take them everywhere around the world and also in our contexts here in Pittsburgh. We are told to preach the gospel, to plant seeds in the hearts of people. In the Middle East, we remember a saint of the church, St. Francis of Assisi. He came to the Middle East during the time of the Crusades, during the time in which Muslims and Christians were fighting each other. And St. Francis came and met with the nephew of Salahuddin, the Sultan of Egypt. And he waited for several days outside of the court of the Sultan, waiting to have an audience with the Sultan. And the Sultan finally let this simple man in, this man wearing rags. And St. Francis went up to the Sultan. And the Sultan asked, what can I do? And St. Francis said he wanted to serve the Muslims. He wanted to help the people in Egypt. The Sultan asked him, what makes you different than all these other people who are killing my people? St. Francis thought for a few moments. He said, don't just believe my words, but watch my actions. Later on, St. Francis was quoted having said that we should preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. That is the way in which in our context in the Middle East, we preach the gospel. It's difficult to preach the gospel openly because in some places there can be persecution or it is illegal. But no one can stop you from preaching the gospel through your love and through your actions. And one day someone will say, why do you treat me this way? We have vocational training centers for the deaf and disabled and hospitals that serve over 90% Muslims. And people say, why do you treat us differently? The love of Christ compels us. Now the joy that we have is we are not told that we have to make the seeds grow. We only have to plant seeds. We read later on, St. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Now that doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility, but it means that when we share the gospel through our words or through our actions, we can be assured that God is at work and God will make it grow. The kingdom of God is like this. A man who scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk and then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts it, the sickle to it because the harvest has come. We know that God will make it grow. We don't know how the seed grows, but it grows. 
Some seeds take a long time to grow. Others have short germination processes. But God is always at work. Again, parents, this morning, God is always at work. And this is not just to the parents. In fact, everyone here, God is at work not only in your lives, but in the lives of people around you. And you may be planting a seed. You may be planting another seed later on. You may never know the results of that seed. But I guarantee you that God never wastes a seed. God will move in the hearts and in the minds of the people. And there's something beautiful about it. Going back to verse 27. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. The worker has to leave things to God. It's not our responsibility. We leave it to God. In some places in the Middle East where we cannot openly evangelize, God says, don't worry about it. I know you think you're important, and you are in my kingdom, but see what I can do without you. And God speaks to people in dreams and in visions. And if we are silent, we know that one day even the rocks will cry out. So don't underestimate what God is doing in and through you, in and through the people of this world. And when we sleep, as the man is told to sleep, we have to sleep with a joyful uh, expectation. Is it growing? It's like a child who looks at a plant every single day or goes out to the garden and is wondering, is today the day that I will see the sprout? Is today the day it will grow? Or, Or like a child, I don't know if you did this in your home, growing up we would measure ourselves along a wall, all of the children in the household. And we would know who was taller. We lived in expectation that one day we would be taller than another sibling or our parents. As we sow the seeds, we have to live in the same type of expectation that God is going to do something. And indeed, God is doing something. And we wake up refreshed knowing that God is in control. Finally, we have to see fruit. As the sower casts the seed into the ground, we are to expect a harvest. I think that many often work without faith. Many sow seeds, but don't actually expect that something will happen. Brothers and sisters, this morning we need to expect that God will do great things in and through us. And not just through us, through others around us. In this parable that we read this morning, Jesus is saying that this is the way that God does things. God is like a sower who scatters seeds. The seeds may be tiny and invisible to the naked eye. Yet when the seed is planted, it grows and provides shelter for the world. The kingdom of God is like this. The initial evidence may be small, but the results are great. Today, you and I have a mission. Our mission, whether we like it or not, is to sow seeds. 
is to plant the gospel in the hearts and the minds of people through our words and through our actions. And how can we do this? The only way we can do this is when we realize our correct perspective. When our feet are planted on the rock, Jesus Christ, the foundation of our faith, the foundation that cannot be shaken. The Middle East is going through a crisis in these days, but we have confidence in the words of Jesus when he says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Brothers and sisters, the rock that we have to build our faith upon is Jesus Christ. Many of you know in Egypt we have a lot of pyramids. We actually do have a lot of them. Not just the pyramids in Giza that you all know of and see pictures by the Sphinx, but there are other pyramids, prototypes, where the base was not set exactly in the right way. And as layer upon layer is built up, the whole pyramid is askew and falls apart. Let us have our faith firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. Let us build our faith and set it upon the rock. And just one or two words before I close this morning. I'd like to challenge especially the youth of this congregation. Now, youth is an all-encompassing word, so that means all of you. <laughs> Plant seeds. In, in ages past, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost, they went to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Brothers and sisters, the ends of the earth are next door to us today. People from every nation are studying in Oakland, in Pittsburgh, all around us. We don't have to go far to share the gospel. Be missionaries in your own contexts. Be missionaries in your home, in your workplace, in your schools, and in your communities. And plant seeds. Don't worry about what will happen after that. God will make it grow. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning read in the Bible. And Lord, I pray if there's anything that I have said that is not of you, that you take it from our minds and our ears and our eyes and our hearts. And only your words remain which are true and eternal, your words which are life. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.